Blog Talk Radio. by Monica Richardson. I don't know why I never say who that music is by, but it's by Monica Richardson. You can find her on iTunes. The song is called Hand Stories. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. I'm Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is August 2nd, 2011. I'm really, really excited tonight about this show. Um, we have Stephen Slade is going to be on. Uh, I'm going to give a little plug for the radio show here. Safe Recovery is a show that was originally designed to address and expose predatory behavior of any kind in 12-step meetings with people with substance abuse problems. Uh, You know, I'm getting a little tired of the addicts and alcoholic words, so I think it's a little way overused in our culture, Uh, or maybe that's the Hollywood effect um, that's having on me, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I think it was the episode of Entourage that happened last week that I saw when I came back from Phoenix, and I was like, okay, we're not going to use those words tonight. Uh, We discussed new approaches to the problems in the rooms and in the culture, including the literature, the traditions, and its structure, and questioned, does it work or not? Um, It might be a good thing to change things, like we have done with our government and our laws in the United States of America, like some of the 1960s civil rights laws and the movement, Speaking about our civil rights, maybe Carolyn, maybe we're going to have Carolyn back on another time when we can talk about the laws and what sexual harassment is. Um, we discuss uh, and explore other alternatives to AA, and we want to support men and women who have written other books on recovery. So if you're listening and you have written a book about this, you can contact me directly at info at MySafeRecovery.com. That's info at MySafeRecovery.com. We promote alternative healing that is both secular, spiritual, and scientific. Um, God knows we need it, right? The statistics say that there's over 25 million people in the U.S. and Canada with some sort of substance abuse problem, and only 1.8 million are in AA. I have no idea how many there are in NA. But um, I want to give, okay, so we're going to bring Stephen on. The Clean Slate Addiction site is dedicated to bringing you a sane, sensible, and helpful view of addiction, substance abuse. Uh, We believe the experience of addiction is driven by choices and beliefs, not a disease. On this site, you will find the latest addiction news analyzed from this perspective. Uh, Self-help tips on how to end your own substance use problems tips on how to help a loved one with a problem, that's a great thing, references to programs, helpers, and books who reject the disease model of addiction, reviews of programs, books, and videos related to addiction, a knowledge base of important research, information on and explanations of self-change, a critical look at the common knowledge of myths of addiction, and a common sense approach that works. The author of this site is Stephen Slate, a former substance abuser, Stephen went through five years of conventional treatment and 12-step group participation without any long-term success. He finally found help with a program developed by the Baldwin Research Institute where he was taught that he did not have a disease but was simply making poor choices in regard to substance use. He learned how to end his problem through his own thoughts and choices and has been free of the behavior of substance abuse ever since. Stephen served as the lead instructor and director of the St. Jude Retreat House, where he helped hundreds of people to end their substance use problems 
and move on with a better life. Um, while there, he also contributed to further development of the course materials and textbooks. Uh, I'm going to bring Stephen on. Hi, Hello? Stephen, it's you. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. How you doing, Stephen? Good. Um, I uh, Sorry, I'm just replying to a text here. I've been, as I told you before, I was at the hospital all day oh, um, no. with my friend, and it turns out that he has appendicitis. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry for I'm bringing kidding. that up. Yeah, we, we um, talked earlier. You said you were at the hospital. My son had his removed a couple, I think it was like, I think 08. That's when that happened, 2008. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, that's a disease, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, it's 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 a medical problem. Well, yeah. Disease, yeah. Right? It's, uh, it's not like cancer. You just If you have appendicitis, you just have to take it out, and then it's you're fixed forever. I mean, it's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, while you while you text, okay, I have more to read about you. Stephen has many friends and relatives. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Let's go ahead. Oh, okay, you want me to talk more about you? <laughs> no, you read you read quite a bit about me. I know. There. Maybe too um, much. I don't know. So uh, yeah, you know what? Too, I, I've written all that there, and and I still get a lot of things from people. Being like, who is this guy? What is he about? As if I have a hidden agenda. Um, mm-hmm. I also, you know, I kind of that's that's from like I guess my about page, um, and I just wanted to talk. I, actually, I wanted to mention something up top. I, I've been getting a lot of um, nasty emails about people in regards to methadone, and um, they think that I somehow am against methadone and. You know, there's something right there on that page that says, look, I'm not against methadone. And I'm Mm. not. So um, just because I don't believe that it's a disease, um, that I think, you know, people take their interpretations of of what that means. I look at there's very, you know, two very distinct um, parts to what we're dealing with in addiction. And there's the thing, you know, there is this whole, whole, like, physical dependence part, um, you know, that people experience with alcohol and um, opiates, you know. And right. um, and there's really, there's great treatments for that. That's something where you can legitimately treat the thing with medicine. But now, um, and, you know, methadone being one of those medicines, you know. But then when people are detoxified, um you know, they're going back. They're making that choice to go back. And there's that, you know, I hate to use the word obsession because it gets used in, in right. you know, recovery circles. But the right, there's this obsession. Like people keep choosing to, you know, engage in destructive substance use even when the physical thing is, the physical part is gone, you know. And that's the part that I'm like, that's that's no disease. There's nothing medical going on with, with that when you're, you know, you're free of sort of the physical withdrawal effects and you're still going back, which I did many, many times. I went to detoxes so many times and I, you know, detoxed cold turkey so many times and, and from heroin and, and I went back to it again and again. And, and, you know, what's that about? That's a different thing. And I, I don't think that that thing there is a disease. No, I'm having some technical problems from the chatters are telling me they can't hear us. Oh, they um, can't hear us. Like I've done nothing different. Um, Like the, let's see, Kelly had to log out. They, let's see, Gunther's typing now. Um, Let's see. I'm going to just ask them. Hold on. Can anyone, I should ask hear this because I don't know what we could do if, I mean, I mean maybe we just do the show and then it would be in the, um, what do you call it, uh, archived, but it's really sad because we have a lot of people in here listening. Um, you know, there's like 12 people. 
can anyone hear? Let me just see. My husband might be in another room. I could see if he could log on. And But I, I wouldn't even know what to do. You know, I didn't do anything different. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can anyone hear? Let's see. Has anyone logged? There's a bunch of people logged in. Uh, okay. This is really... You know what we could do if... Um, I guess we just do the show and... Uh, It'll be archived, and if if something goes wrong with that, we'll redo the show. I can't. I've never. I haven't ever had this problem so far, and nobody is said. He just said, "What happened?" I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's you know, blog talk radio. There's not much I control. I started it the way I'm supposed to. I, I put you in. I logged in. And uh. okay, well. No one's even um, able to, I guess they can't launch a new chat in a window with moderator control. Yeah, the people have, he's logged out. They still can't hear anything. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to turn it on on my computer and I can't, I'm not, it's not even playing at all. Maybe you stop it and play it again. I, oh, I, maybe what I could do is we could, I wonder if it would be possible to end, end the show and go back in and set up a new show to start in five minutes. Yeah, Nobody can you is, do that? Let me see if I can ask my husband. Hey, Kev? Okay, it's Even? playing on my end. Um, oh, it is. Okay, all right. So it is. So we'll just go it's forward. delayed okay. a few minutes. All right. So let's just. I'm so sorry that that happened, but everybody was in there in the queue saying they couldn't hear. So it's playing yeah. now. Kenneth Anderson just said. Okay, good. So so if it's delayed, a little bit. So you were talking about you were getting some nasty emails about from some methadone people. Oh yeah, yeah. I was getting a lot of nasty emails with people thinking that I somehow dislike methadone. And um, so, like I said, I just think there's, um, you know, I have nothing against methadone. I have nothing against any sort of replacement drugs or anything that has to do with the physical end of, you know, withdrawals uh-huh. um, and that kind of thing. You know, it's I view that as separate from what, when we talk about addiction, when we talk about somebody repeatedly choosing, you know, to sort of, do it. And like I said, you know, you can be detoxed fully and you don't have any more withdrawals yet. You know, people go back and that's the part that I'm like, what is going on there? That's the part that's really, you know, I don't think it's a disease that people, you know, when they choose to to go back to using drugs destructively or whatever, I think it, it really is a choice. So... Okay, so, I mean, I agree with you, and I think that um, one of the other things, too, that I'm reading here about you is that you've, you know, you lost friends, friends and relatives who weren't, you know, didn't find a solution um, at the conventional treatment places, um, as I have myself, uh, and so you really have a passion about this, and so I'd like to talk about the different way that you work and um, compared to, say, a treatment center and your beliefs, which, you know, I think are so refreshing, and a lot of us on the blogs um, agree with you. So do you want to talk about it? Yeah. um, Yeah, so basically um, I carried over a lot of my work that I did at the St. Jude Retreats, which which their whole their entire approach was um we are not a treatment center mm-hmm. we are not going to treat you because we yeah. don't believe addiction is a disease so there's oh, nothing to treat right um, i love it mm-hmm. and and uh and they position themselves as an educational facility maybe um, i should have them on and, yeah yeah you should definitely right um, what's going on? 
Yeah, no, I just wrote it down. I think I should, I'm going to give them a call. Maybe I should have them on. I'm trying to just, you know, explore all these alternatives. Okay, so you yeah. were up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was an instructor there, and it was always viewed as, like, I'm not somebody's, um, I'm not their sponsor, I'm not, uh, I'm not their therapist or counselor. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching them ideas that will help them to change, um, that they can apply themselves. And, right. um, and they, uh, you know, actually at the point that I was leaving, they started hiring all um, teachers with master's degrees in teaching. And I, I actually trained a bunch of them. Um, to teach the program um, just to, like, make it even clearer that that we are educating people. Um, And now at this point they're calling it cognitive behavioral education. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they're going to teach you exercises that you can do with your thinking to change your thinking and and the way that you, you know, approach, uh, you know, your life and your habits. Um, Mm -hmm. And now the important part of that is, you know, now I forgot who did this study. It's very famous. Um, but there's a there's a great study uh, at, at Yale. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's like basic. It was like in my social psychology 101 class. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, uh, they brought people into Yale uh, into like a laboratory and they had a guy in a lab coat with a, with a clipboard, and he says, sit down and, and uh, at this desk, and you're going to ask this guy to recall pairs of words. This guy's in the right. other room. And if right. he does it right, then fine. If he does it wrong, you're going to shock him. Mm-hmm. You're going to flip a switch and shock him. Right. And, you know, and it, of course it was fake. The guy in the other room wasn't really getting shocked. Um, oh. And he was mm-hmm. purposely getting the questions wrong. And it would get to the point where he was, like, violently hitting things and, and, and yelling in pain and terror with the shocks. And, of course, the shocks were increasing. And, um, you know, they had this row of buttons, if you ever see the video of it. And wow. there's this sort of row of buttons where each one you flip is going to be a higher voltage to shock the guy with. Right, and now it's coming back. I don't remember what it is. Maybe somebody in the chat room, if you know what it is, if you could type it. Okay. So Yeah, yeah it was maybe Milgram or Ash. I forgot who it was now who did mm-hmm. it. But um, they, uh, you know, so it would get worse. And if these people would be uncomfortable giving the shocks. Right. But they would do it anyways. And, you know, they found out they were just, because it, it's authority. Because, it's well, here's a guy in a lab coat from Yale. Telling yeah. me to shock this guy, and the other on the other end, the guy's screaming in pain, and they get to a point where it's like he's dead, like he's almost like not responding at all, or he wow. refused, there's a point where he like the guy on the other side refuses to answer any more questions, you know? Yeah. Oh, somebody just put it up there, Milgram. It's the Milgram experiment. Yeah. Okay. And so they're refusing to to answer questions anymore because they don't want to get shocked, and these people would still go ahead and shock them. And it's oh. about authority, and it's about mm-hmm. when somebody with with the lab coat tells you to do something, you'll do it. Now, I you know I think when I sit down with somebody who's a doctor, who's been to you know however many years of school that takes, who has the authority of a doctor, and I get into a position where they need to treat me for a disease. Mm-hmm. I sit back to a degree. I ask some questions, but I mm-hmm. also just put a lot of trust there and I follow what they say. And, um, you know, just like these people would shock the guy in the other room. You know, whether, right. you know, sort of my better instincts are telling me whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. They're the doctor, I'm the layman, and I'm going to do what they say. Um, this is what goes on. This is the dynamic that's created when you are treating people for addiction. When you say, we have psychiatrists and nurses here, and you have a disease, you have an incurable disease that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Um, You can only manage it one day at a time. And you're going to like, you're going to have to deal with this forever. You're going to have to struggle with this forever. Um, That whole dynamic right there 
of treating somebody puts them in sort of this submissive position and then plus the information that you're telling them that that uh you know that they have this disease uh you know it's bad and they're going to live up to that it's like it's the self-fulfilling prophecy and it's this effect of authority um so for saint jude it was very important they they realized at some point like very important to be, to be sure everybody knows we're not treating them they don't have a disease yeah we're teaching them something and mm. go ahead and do what you will with this and you're in control of your life um and certainly we're not going to tell anybody they have an incurable disease um so i am very you know i really i really agree with that and i think i think it's a danger of you know it's a real danger in treat and you know just just sort of um framing it as you're treating somebody mm-hmm. um you have to be careful about the ideas that you teach them yeah uh, you know, you have to be uh, careful about the ideas that you teach them and just about the basic dynamic um, that is going to come into play there. Do you get what I'm saying about that? Sort of. Like, well, I, I, you uh, know, I, it might have been, I'm trying to think of which guest we really talked about this. It could have been George Quant who teaches quantum meditation, or I can't remember, but the, it's a belief system. So if you believe that that's true, that you have a disease and that, you know, I remember, you know, somebody saying, well, if you drink, you're going to die. Like, I was 18, and I was, like, in Colorado, and there was this other young kid who was the only young guy in the meeting. And he goes, well, to drink yeah. is to die. And I turned to him, and I said, what are you talking about? I said, no, it isn't. He goes, yes, it is. Yeah. If you drink, then... And I looked at him, and I said, mm, no. But getting back to what you're saying, yes, I do understand. And I think the other word that I would put in the mix with what you're saying is a belief system. And then the 12-step and all that has all these things that it promises you, you know, the doom and the gloom and, you know, prison, death, institution, and that. And in fact, though, nowhere in the book does it say that one day at a time, I mean, when people quit, they were going to quit forever. They were done. There was like, and so why was all this counting and this chip giving and, you know, the rah, 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 people were really quitting for life. It actually says that in the book. Not a day at a time. That was like a slogan that was added on. Yeah, it did say something. Of, it used the word cured or recovered in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and, yeah um, and there's a lot of debate about that. Like, well, is AA today what it was meant to be or whatever? And I don't know. That's, uh, I know people who can spout off, you know, lines from the book. Much, you know, I can't do it that way. But you, I, could, I could give somebody a page number and a line number and they would tell me I know people can do that. And, oh God, um, we don't want to do that. I want, I want to let people know about you and no. so about how but, many but people. But yeah, you're. <laughs> but listen, Gunther and I did a show like that. It was really fun. If you want to do another one, let's we can do another one with you on with Gunther and I, and we can tear apart the big book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know. All right? That's, all, that that's all too much to get into, isn't it? Well, it was really, um, you know, when I first started the work that I was doing, I didn't even, like I knew there were parts of the book that were just ridiculous and the stuff about anger and the stuff about, you know, if every, you know, if there, if you're ever disturbed, there's always something wrong with you. Like, that's insane. Like, I don't even care if Buddhism believes that. I don't believe that. Like, I don't, that's not my belief system. Uh-huh. And everything is not always about me. You know, if somebody's hurt me, if somebody's ripped me off, it is not always about Monica. It's not always about Stephen. You know, bad things happen. People do bad things to each other. And it's, it's, you know, so those things I knew 20 years ago were stupid. But, yeah. you know, the Chapter 5 part, I really, when, when Gunther first asked me to be on his show, is when I, I looked at that stuff for the first time and it was like someone had, you know, just taken me out of the water and given me a new pair of glasses. And I said, oh, this is crazy. This is, like, ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, I, I well, love, so yeah. I knew it was just sort of getting back to the track that I was on. Yeah. I think um, I think that uh, you, if you're gonna tell, if you're gonna put somebody under the the, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna get them under the belief that hey, I'm treating you for a disease, I feel like you should know for sure that the thing is a disease. 
and you should have some kind of treatment. And when right. I start looking at what treatment right. is, it is teaching. In the same, the, I think the difference, what we did at the St. Jude Retreat House is that we were honest about we're teaching people. Um, when I look at treatment and I try to find out what they do in any given treatment program, mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions that go unanswered and I have a hard time finding anything that strikes me as medical treatment other than like detox or mm-hmm. some sort of blocker type of drugs and things that they give to people which aren't in that heavy of use anyways. And when they really look at what they do and you ask, here's an experiment I've been doing lately is I've been going in some recovery forums and asking people, hey, what, did you go to a rehab, if you went to a rehab, what treatment did you get? Mm-hmm. What did they do to treat you? And people, <laughs> they can't even answer the question. Like, wow. they don't know. Some people can spout off a little bit of jargon, but they they can't make any sort of explanation about what that means. You know, they, they cannot sort of, they can tell you the jargon, but if, if it's really like, well, how did that work and what was it supposed to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, they might be like, well, I underwent matrix model um, treatment. Well, what is matrix model? What is it, What did it consist of? And they don't, they don't really know. Matrix smart, though? No, the matrix, uh, matrix model, I think, is some kind of um, it's a substance abuse uh, counseling sort of methodology that has to do with, and I think it's specific to cocaine. Um, I don't have mm-hmm. a handle on a full description of it. You know what? You know what I like about what you said. So, okay, if someone says, like, this is, um, you know, in a meeting, and someone were to say, I have a disease, and say, well, if it's a disease, like, you know, where's the doctor? Like, where's the doctor here? You know, what is the treatment? Um, I went to a smart meeting where there was a doctor last Friday, and um, he said he couldn't believe it. He can't stand. So he's going to SMART, and he said he was in a meeting where all these people were giving medical advice about medication, and he said there was nobody there that was the medical doctor but him. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's kind that's of That's a good comeback for the disease thing. So, <laughs> so you're going to throw a 1936 book at me with yeah. more crazy, culty crap that was invented by, you know, Clancy from the Pacific Group that's now spewed out, you know, in other forms and you know, other derivatives or whatever we could, it's just like what happened in the, you know, in our government with the derivatives. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like they've bundled a bunch of weird stuff together. Like, you know. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, the, the other thing is too, you start to find out like, oh, well, you know, they say, well, we tailor it to the individual. We can't really you know, tell you what it is. Now, other answers I've gotten when I've asked about what is treatment, they say, well, um, you just need to get yourself in here, you know. Um, you know, like, what do you do for treatment? Well, you've got to get in here. We tailor it to the individual. And it's kind of like don't ask questions. And, you know, you can't ask questions because they don't have answers. They don't know themselves what they do. And they'll just sort of say, well, we do individual counseling, group counseling, and, you know, maybe we do detox or whatever. And you find out, like, individual counseling is often just your counselor is an AA member, like, nine times out of ten or 99 times out of 100. And they're there to say, well, did you get a sponsor this week? And how did you feel about what you talked about at the meeting? Or, you know, I mean, that's what my individual counseling always was um, when I was undergoing methadone treatment. Um, and then, um, and then, the group counseling is often just another twelve-step meeting that happens to be run by some sort of psychiatrist or counselor. But the dynamics are all the same. The you know the topics are all the same. The ideas are all the same as what's discussed right. in an AA meeting. And it, I I kind of feel like you're getting taught AA the whole way through. You're not being treated. And um, I think that what they're doing in treatment is, for the most part, teaching. What we did at St. Jude Retreat's house was teaching, but we were honest about what we, did, what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We were teaching you something. 
and I think we had ideas that work. Um, I think the ideas that you get in treatment programs orient you to a um, to sort of a uh, you know um, I'm I'm sort of losing my I'm losing my thought here. They to a, an external locus of control. You know, hey, that so I, I need some, to be controlled. I, What's that? Well, no, finish. I wanted to ask you a question. I had something pop in my head when you oh, said you were losing your train of thought. So it something yeah, popped oh, in so my head. I was just going to say, the ideas that you learn in treatment orient you towards an external locus of control, sort of. This is all sort of outside, you know, this isn't something really controlled so much by me. It's the disease or it's, you know, sort of my upbringing or it is whatever it is and the solution is outside of me. I need to go to a you know, a meeting and have a sponsor run my life and hope that the collective will uh, of of the meeting will sort of socially pressure me into staying sober. Um, and, and it's just all outside stuff. And I think what we did at St. Jude's was orient you towards a, you know, an internal locus of control. Um, and we empowered people and sort of, you know, uh, gave them things that they could do and sort of put it all back to them, the choices. Now, I'm sorry, now what were you going to ask me about? Um, I was thinking, I started a blog that called the Coalition of Alternatives to 12-Step that I really didn't put a lot of energy to. I just grabbed the name when I was thinking of trying to promote the alternatives. And what I want to do is, and maybe we can do this not on the show here, but another time or through email, is every rehab or treatment that you really know is not 12-step like St. Jude's, and I could put that as a resource too as well as, you know how, I'm, I mean, I've been I'm promoting all the alternatives like yeah. smart, national, right, so that, um, you know, most of us think there's like 5% or something or maybe 10% are non-12-step kind of, but it would be interesting to do a little digging and at least put up about 10 of them uh, and maybe through my documentary, you know, this will come about that we can enlighten the world that there are some other places. You know what I mean? I think it's really important. It is. You know, I tried to look, to, I tried to put together the same sort of list for my site. Yeah. And it was hard. Um, I, I mean, first of all, I'm very nitpicky about programs, and I guess that's maybe a fault. Um, but I, I am pretty extreme about what I believe, and I try to find places to sort of line up with that. But also just, um, you know, I'm trying to look for, like, what is not what is out there that's not 12-step, and there really isn't much. If you're talking about, like, I'm going to go away to, you know, sort of a residential-type thing for a while, there is really, like, St. Jude's, there is... You know, I'm not sure what goes on with practical recovery, Tom Horvath's thing. I don't know if they have any sort of inpatient, but it well, sounds they like they have did. a decent outpatient. It. Yes, it, he, it is. And um, really there is, part. Mm -hmm. and then there's Mark and Linda Sobel have a good outpatient, it sounds like, down in Florida. They're pretty important researchers um, on self-change. What's their name again? And Mark and Linda Sobel. Um, hmm. And uh, and then I'm like, well, what else is there? I, I mean, there's passages, sounds like a bunch of nonsense, and then there's Narconon, sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see like what else is. I, I like, I would love to put together a huge list, and I can't find it. You know. No, so you know what it's what okay. I, we'll, we'll figure it out later. I want to let's talk about you some more. So I have some questions for you, okay? Um, which I yeah. thought were so great because you have a question like the the myths, right, posted on your website. And just yesterday in the New York Times, wow, I can't believe the New York Times, maybe they're going to, you know, they're not totally, uh, you know, AAAA, but um, who fails to addiction and who is unscathed by Richard Friedman. He's a doctor, and he starts out talking about Amy Winehouse. And I read it. Took about three pages where they talk about the brain, and you have here is addiction. Is it a brain disease? That was one. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, so the, 
So the whole thing behind the idea that addiction is a brain disease, the sort of evidence behind it is they show you these scans of a brain and they say, well, um, there is a, if we line this brain scan up to a next to a person who's not addicted, we see that there's differences here and there's something mm-hmm. physiological going on in the brain. And, you know, indeed there is something. There are, you know, some functional sort of changes going on. Whether that makes something a disease or not, that's the part I question. I don't question whether there's actual changes to the brain. There are. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. we have evidence of that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, what else there's? You know what else changes the brain? Driving a taxi cab in London. There's a great thing in one of Jeffrey Schwartz's books where he sort of looks at this study they did that people, you know, the London streets, I guess, are notoriously hard to sort of navigate. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the more experienced of a cab driver you are in London, the more this certain part of your hippocampus is like, drastically more active than a person who doesn't do that or a cabbie who's only been driving for a little while. And it's like, so driving a cab changes your brain. Does that make, you know, driving a cab a disease? And, well, I think, you know, too, that in this article it says here that Dr. Volko, director of the NIDA, has shown in several brain imaging studies that I mean that's it. It doesn't say a hundred thousand people were studied. It said in several. I'm like, okay, several. How many is that? Like those studies. I, I want to tell you, there those studies were seventeen. It started out as seventeen people. It got whittled down to thirteen people, and then it got whittled down to nine people. I've looked through a whole bunch of those studies, and um, you know those were people on crystal meth too. A lot of them. Yeah, she's done. She's done a lot. I've looked at a lot of those studies. Um, and they're not on huge numbers of people. I mean, they don't necessarily need to be, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Where were you oh, going with that? Okay, on that same line, so this is what Gunther said. It's so great because I heard this too, Gunther, and I was telling Kevin this about when you when we rely too much on – they actually did a study. I don't know if there were like five mice in the uh, laboratory or three crickets, but um, that Gunther says, I heard that people – and this is in the chat room – I heard that people who use GPS are prone to short-term memory loss. And they did say that when people were relying so much on Google and not, you know, like having to remember stuff, including phone numbers with the iPhones and all these other things, that it is affecting and making us less, you know, it's not good for the brain yeah. to rely so much well, on Well, yeah. But so what I question then is does that make these different sort of deficiencies or quirks of how, you know, we think, does that make those things a disease or is it that the way we use our brain is constantly imprinting our brain and sort of rewiring it and that that's a natural process? Because, see, for something to be a disease, there has to be a physiological malfunction of some kind going on. And, And as far as I see, when I start looking at, like, the taxi cab driver thing, some of the stuff you're talking about now, you look at brain scans of musicians being mm-hmm. so different than non-musicians, and uh, these different things. Um, I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking at, it, I'm saying, well, the neuroplasticity that goes on in the brain is a normal function. If you're using drugs every day, your brain should change in response to that, and. You know, and the thing that Nora Volkow has also shown is when people stop using drugs for a while, the brain is changing back. Um, she doesn't explain, though, how are they powerless, you know? She doesn't explain, you know, how do they prove that people are actually powerless? Um, and how do they, you know... Yeah, you I like know, that. She's sort of... Yeah, I don't know. She's coming in there and saying that this brain change, you know, brain change explains addiction. I mean, and it doesn't. It, it 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 explains that yeah, your brain changes and you make something a habit and it becomes easier to do and all of that and more sort of automatic in a way. But it doesn't it doesn't explain powerless or compulsion like a loss of control. It it just doesn't it just doesn't do that. Um, but anyways. Um, you know, so it, I like to look at the brain as like a group of, it's like a group of billions of muscles. 
And the ones that the the muscles that you use a lot are going to get strengthened, and um, and you're going to be able to work well with those. And the ones that you ignore um, are going to wither and get weak. And yes, as yes. You start, I mean. They, yes, they did do serious studies in the like $25 million range for meditation, and now they've switched it to mindfulness, I hear, at UCLA. But they did study it. They have totally proven that if you meditate, that you're not only your brain has more pliability and there's you know activity, it doesn't get stiff and hardens like what happens when you get old and you, know, you start to get um, you know, dementia and stuff, that they have proven also that it not only makes you you know still like smarter or you know still remember things but it actually makes your personality more it makes you as a person more flexible in your attitudes it's just simple not even religious or spiritual meditation just like basic breathing you know and watching yeah. your breath and simple taking the time out to just sit and do that that they've done it to um you know let me see is it possible i could fix my brain somebody said <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said it was WD-40. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, powerlessness, too, is what um, I want to be able to tell everybody, um, you know, what you offer. And if someone can, you know, call you the first time and talk to you for free. I know you don't talk for free forever. But for those who tuned in, we're talking to Stephen Slate. Um, I'm uh, Monica or Massive on Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery, and you can find um, Stephen Slate at his website is thecleanslate.org. So it's thecleanslate.org, and he is a coach, and um, he was a counselor at St. Jude's for five years, and now he works on his own individually. And you want to talk if somebody calls you up and I'd like to talk about powerlessness, but I'd like to give you a chance to sort of promote what you do. Because uh, I think it's okay. great and it's affordable. Yeah. You know, it's affordable compared to these ridiculous other programs. Yeah, actually, um, so I took a few years off after St. Jude's and I was sort of pursuing other things. But in the meantime, I studied life coaching um, at NYU and I wanted and I and I thought about seriously integrating that sort of into my own um, thing of working with people one-on-one. And so, you know, I toyed around with it, and I took on different clients by word of mouth. And um, and I and I had at the same time I was working on a book, and so I sort of put together like a bit of a manual um, for sort of I think what I think are the key ideas. Um, to sort of overcoming a substance use problem. And um and now at this point I've also um I've been working with Stanton Peel mm-hmm. and um and I've integrated the life process pro his life process program into what I do. And so the way that I the way that I do this is I run it as a class, just like I did at St. Jude's in a lot of ways. Um it's a class. I meet with somebody four times a week for the first two weeks. So they get eight classes. And mm-hmm. we cover a whole bunch of Stanton's material and a bunch of my material. And it's it's got all sort of the basic ideas in there that I think, you know, are really helpful um, to know. And uh, there'll be exercises. They come in the next class with some questions done or maybe they've done a sort of cognitive exercise type thing, and we review that, and we review the reading, and they have somebody. So, you know, there's this one way you can do things, which is like a lot of people will like pick up one of Stanton's books, and they'll read it, or they'll get um, St. Jude's uh, Home Recovery Program, and they'll read that, and they'll be on their own sort of doing it. But meeting with somebody to talk about it um, and committing to, you know, I'm going to talk to this person at, uh, you know, 5 o'clock today after work. Um, we're going to get together and discuss my homework, and so I better read it and I better be on top of it. And there's sort of that commitment level when you're working with another person. So that's, that's what I bring to it is that, is that they can discuss it with me and um, I can teach them all those concepts. But, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's not anything that you couldn't get out of a book. Um, Mm-hmm. but you have an instructor there to help you with it. And then um, I follow that initial sort of 
two weeks with eight weeks of of coaching where mm-hmm. you are actively developing um, other life goals. And my whole sort of, you know, my whole feeling about addiction is when you have better options to move on to, when you have new activities that are more satisfying than drugs or alcohol to move mm-hmm. on to, then addiction loses all of its power. It's just meaningless, you know. And right. that's, you know, that's what I did when, when I got sober is I took on new life goals. So that's what I help people to work on is to develop that, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that I have to cover in the first two weeks is undoing all of the garbage they've learned everywhere else. Um, but there is yeah. something, you yeah. know what I find is that people are already questioning all of this. But, like, they're yes, afraid to say it because if they say anything in their treatment program or in AA, they're jumped on if they question anything. They're questioning all of this. The greatest thing that people experience is to talk to somebody else who agrees and right. is like, yeah, you're not crazy for, think, for you know, questioning that. And Don't um, you think so that's, the tide has turned a little bit? I mean, I even feel like since I think I did – the show with Gunther when he had his show was back in December, if I'm right, like it was in the winter. And now look at it's the end of, it's the beginning of August. And even from that point until now, it seems like there's this a huge shift. It just seems like it has. I mean, Smart did open their own um, treatment center that's down in San Diego that's completely Smart Recovery. Smart's growing. There's an, another meeting in Los Angeles now face-to-face. There's like 600 meetings of Smart around the country. Um, and I do think that when you talk to younger people, like my son who's 21, I have a lot of women friends who have children this age, they all hate it, and they're not buying it, and they're not going. And so what Stanton's book, How to Addiction-Proof Your Child, Maybe it was his book. It was so great, exactly what you were talking about, that it, instead of calling somebody names, which there's a lot of men on the blog talking about abusive talk to them by sponsors, like you're stupid and are oh, you lazy or whatever, that if someone focuses on building on any strength at all that person has, that you focus on that and say, okay, what did I learn from that? Okay, let's focus on your strengths. What you, and everybody, no matter how bad you are in a certain area, weak or not good, everybody has strengths. And Well, yeah, you I know, mean, that's I, one of the things, one of the exercises I do with people is, is list to me your assets, like your strengths in life, the things that you're good at, what you have going for you um, in any way. Right. And the reaction I get a lot to that is, oh, my God, that felt so much better and sitting around and listing my character defects. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I know, I know. It's really good. Um, just focus on what I do have going for me, what I can use to sort of change and progress in life than to just, like, get down on myself. Yeah, it's really, I think it's terrible for, you know, teens. I mean, I'm, I have to admit, like, I was still, like, drinking the Kool-Aid and when, my, when I was talking to my oldest son, and started talking with that crazy talk, you know, with character defects and all this. And I look back and I go, oh, my God, thank God, you know, this stuff happened. And it really, if it wasn't for him and someone else, I really dove in looking for alternatives, you know, because who would ever want your child, even if he's a male, to go to Alcoholics Anonymous? I I didn't, I mean, I, I think it's disgusting now. I think it's really disgusting. And there might be some nice small meetings where the, some people are, of course they're decent. I was one. I'm decent. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty there's of people that are on the blog. Wonderful people in AA, yeah. Right. There, there are. are people, yeah, they, they really are, and a lot of a lot them of have left. Care. A lot have left, you know. Um, yeah. So I don't want to, when I, but on a whole, let me see. Somebody said, Jupinski of Las Anina's Rehab, who under his direction people had died. Oh, yeah, they're talking about... Uh, Drew interviewer mentioned how much anti a stuff there was online. Uh, Kelly is saying it's true. Um, we get to speak freely here on on the internet, and I think that's why it's growing. There's another blog that's been formed by another another member. But um, 
So um, addiction is an allergy. How about that one? Uh, you have that there. I love that. When they, you know. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to go. Energy, right? I was like, okay. Mm. Well, yeah, that's the whole that's the whole Silkworth thing, mm-hmm. and um, and it's really been blown up into you know. And I have people. I definitely ran into people that were really believing that when I worked at St. Jude's. Um, guys coming in and talking about the THIQs that are produced, some chemical that's produced, and that that's the allergy thing. And like, I you know. Um, Alan Marlat did a study where he, it's kind of a little complex to explain, but, like, he gave people that were alcoholics um, alcohol disguised as, like, a flavorless drink. And and he he did this in several different ways, Um, you know, where some people thought they would be getting alcohol and they didn't. They thought they'd be getting alcohol and they did. They thought they wouldn't be getting alcohol and they didn't, you know, so forth, right? And, you know, and he found that, there was no allergic reaction happening. Whether yeah. or not people were getting alcohol, it only mattered if they thought they were getting alcohol. That was mm-hmm. when they drank more and more and more. But you always hear the thing, like if you have that sip of alcohol and if you have any experience in going to rehabs, you know, they don't want you to have aftershave or um, mouthwash or anything that contains any alcohol because you might have that uh. and it's going to send you off. And it's just... Uh. And you know, you know what? I, I swear to God, proven. God forbid, you know, if I can just jump this in, because I think it's important, you know, Kenneth Anderson is out there, and when we talk about harm reduction, God forbid we would teach teenagers and young people that maybe they could look at things as reducing instead of like abstinence, you know, oh, my God, you're an alcoholic, and look at this behavior and, you know, forever, and you can't drink ever again, and if you do, it's you're doomed to do this, like, why don't we teach that? Like, you yeah. know, really is, I've been really reading some of his stuff and listened to, you know, his show and had him on. And, you know, the, even in treatment, they, everybody who comes in there should not be treated like, you need abstinence for life, that's it. You know, give us your scope and give us your, you know, what all the things you just mentioned. Yeah. That's crazy. It's really crazy. It, it is absolutely crazy. I mean, that's and that's all over the web too. You can find that stuff. Orange has like the brands must study on his site where, you know, people are five times more likely once they go to AA to engage in binge drinking, <laughs> and um, you know because you believe you you get to believe that that allergy idea and that powerlessness and and all of that and and um, you know like you said belief systems right. If you right. believe that you're going to, you know, get on the, you know, uh, alcoholism train by having one drink, then then that's what's going to happen. Um, well, but, I was yeah. told it was a spiritual malady. Remember that word, spiritual malady. Yeah, spiritual mm-hmm. malady. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I was so young and I was so spiritual. I was into reading, you know, like uh, Herman Hess, you know, books and they're also like seeking 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 for a spiritual path and i really think i do think that there can there is an aspect that i don't want to go into here where about the spiritual world and addiction really serious you know when you see somebody who looks like they are possessed when they drink um and that happened to plenty of people that i know have known personally um, and that is an aspect that no one's really touched, and I do think for some of us that that aspect really works, to look at it that if you, if you really believe in a spiritual world and an afterlife and that's something in between, that it really, to me, was, you know, it's a choice. I mean, there's millions that don't drink. I think they're called Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> they, they, they don't drink because... That is their spiritual belief, right? And yeah. um, so, and there's way more of them. You know, you get the numbers, but um, I want to say, right? uh, you know, thank everybody. We have, I can't believe this went so fast, but I know we had a little, you know, trouble in the beginning. We still have time to talk, but I do want to tell everybody that I want to thank everyone for showing up in the chat room. There's a lot of people listening live. That um, So if you could get back to, you know, your program, maybe what it costs, it would be great uh, to just kind of finish that up. I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so 
okay, so um, if you go to my site, you can click on the Get Help Now page. Um, there's contact form, and and I'm happy to you know take a call with anybody to mm-hmm. talk and um, you know and and see if you know if my approach is right for them, you know, right, and they can right. talk to me more about it. Um, the so. You know, so that's there. Yeah, anybody can email me, and we'll talk about okay, it. Okay, and they can email way. you at. I'll tell them again. It's the clean slate. dot org. Clean c l e a n s l a t e. dot org. Um, we are listening yeah. to um, Stephen Slate um, on Block Talk Radio. I want to mention that I just made a postcard. Um, it's really nice. If anyone wants any. You can contact me. It says, is AA not working for you? Ready for empowered abstinence? You are not alone. Many alternatives are available today. And then on the back, it says, you choose. Um, And I listed smart recovery, rational recovery, life ring, women for sobriety, secular for sobriety, beyond rehab, the clean slate, the Sinclair method. And i sorry, I forgot to put... um, Kenneth Anderson's harm reduction, but I'm going to make another run of these and put it on. And then it says, know the truth, stinking thinking, orange papers, sub-13 step in AA, no religious dogma, no powerless modality, self-help solutions for addiction. And you can contact me either at the radio here, the show, or info at mysaferecovery.com, info at mysaferecovery.com. Do you think that I mean, I think there's a need for, like, a little support group, not a, necessarily a program for the adults. I do think a program needs to be developed, a safe one for minors, which I'm thinking about, of you know, making one. But um, a group of us are in L.A. We're talking about just getting together, and it turns out there's more than two of us, you know, and so I think uh-huh. it's going to happen. Um, would you like to be, if you knew that somewhere in the village or in New York or in Brooklyn, you could get together with a bunch of ex-steppers like once a month and just talk, would it be fun? Ex-steppers? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could talk. I, definitely. Um, it sounds like, too, that I, I was just thinking about the, the list of things you named off, and, and I went to a smart recovery meeting to sort of see what the deal was. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I was impressed. I was really impressed by all the ideas there, and it's sort of the same yeah. stuff, I, same ideas I work with. But so, wait, what do you you want to put together? X stepper groups. Um, I, I I think that's a that's a fine idea in a lot of ways. Um, that you know, I think the thing that that's I, I just got to go back to my own experience, and the greatest thing for me going to like St. Jude's was like to meet a bunch of people that were like, no, you don't have a disease. That's insane you know <laughs> like and yeah. be like, oh my god yes there's other people you know they exist and you know i've been questioning this all along and it's nice to meet some other people who also feel the same way and they're fine and they're mm-hmm. not insane and they're not you know and they're not still addicts or whatever you want to you know i don't we don't like the labels but whatever so right yeah i think it's a cool idea it's so you know it can really build you, build up your confidence to see that there's other people out there that that um that that do this without AA. You know, the thing is, there are we know there's seventy at least seventy five percent of people do it without AA or treatment, and they're like just a, a an invisible majority of people out there. Um, and the NISARC study shows us that. Well, I want to thank you. We have about a minute left. Um, Thank you so much, Stephen, for being on. I, I think we should oh, have you on you again. I, I, it's really good. It went by really fast. I think we should do it again. I want to promote, because I saw it on your site, soberclubs.webs.com. Uh, so, and I know this is an ex, uh, not a non-12 yeah. step. Okay, soberclub.webs.com. And then Amy Lee Coy is starting a new thing called Illum Room. I'm going to spell it, but it looks so awesome. She's decided to do workshops in the fall to share her experience, you know, how she did it without treatment or program, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-E, Inner Room, Illum. Oh, this is a hard one, Amy, A-I-L-L-U-M-I-N-E-R, room.com. And we have 11 seconds. 
Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you, Monica. All right, and we'll uh, see you next week. Okay, thanks, Stephen. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. And uh, remember, empowered. <laughs>